glad that you are here today. And I just want to say this, that I want you to know today, I believe this, as we heard even the prophetic word this morning, that God wins. I want, you, I want to say that again today. God wins. And what that means for you is because God wins, you win. And I know that because I've read the end of the book, the Bible. It's what it tells me. Last week, we had a great uh, Sunday. We had water baptisms. Who enjoyed water baptisms last week? That was really, really awesome. I think we had six people that made the decision to say, you know what, I am declaring my, uh, my, my faith, my allegiance to Jesus, and stepped into the waters of baptism. And so if you're interested in that, maybe that's something you haven't done yet, it's something you'd like to do, please grab uh, one of our uh, info cards or, uh, at the information desk and, and fill that out, turn it in saying, hey, I'd like to get baptized. We get uh, a few more people that want to do that. We will plan another service. And as well, I know today has been a ton of announcements, a lot of things, but next week I want to remind you that we're having, we're starting our church summer picnics and we are going to be having, uh, after our church on all of the long weekends this year, we are going to have a bring your BYOP, bring your own picnic stuff so that you can hang out with people and just fellowship and have some fun. So that'll be next Sunday after the service. Well, as we continue our series today called Making Disciples, Understanding the Great Commission, I want to start with a, a story, and, I, and, and, I, and most of you know that over the course of the last year, we did something that was really scary, but exciting, uh, frightening, but exhilarating at the same time. Uh, we dropped our son off at college at university in New Hampshire. And, and so uh, as part of that journey, we got to the places we went through the ups and downs and the all arounds of the, the year. We In April, uh, I went out with my daughter, Lindsay, to go pick uh, Isaac up from college. And so we decided to do a little bit of touring around while we're out there. I'd never really been to New England very much. And so we, we went to the states of Maine, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Jersey, and eventually we arrived in New York. And as part of our journey into the state of New York, we went into New York City. Now that is a bucket list place for me. Now some people have questioned like, why? Why would you want to go there right now? It's kind of crazy, isn't it? Yes. Uh, I got to say this. I, I got to be honest. Uh, I, in rating, uh, in the last year and a half, I've been to uh, Boston, uh, New York, San Francisco. Uh, New York's in the middle. Boston was the most tame. San Francisco was, uh, that was a crazy place. Uh, New York, that was, it was actually pretty good. But as we were traveling through uh, the New York City, it's really an incredibly a unique city if you've never been there before, because actually it's really five different cities on four different islands. And as you travel between uh, freeways and bridges and go through tunnels, each of the different boroughs, we, you, you maybe heard of them, Manhattan, Staten Island, the Bronx, Queens, and Brooklyn, has its own unique city with its own architecture, topography, and people and culture. So as you go from one area to the next, it's very, very different, which maybe you never saw that. Most of us, when we see New York City, see the bridges in Manhattan. That's our, our view of it. And, um, but uh, as you go through a bridge or a tunnel, you actually are arriving in another world. That's how I felt like. Now, I remember on our trip from Brooklyn 
to Manhattan, we cross the iconic Brooklyn Bridge. You've all probably heard about the Brooklyn Bridge. Well, maybe a few things that you didn't know about it. The Brooklyn Bridge was, was actually built in 1883. Now, who here would feel a little bit nervous about something that was built in 1883 and had thousands of cars going over it? I had that mind. Well, not only was it built in 1883, it is a massive suspension bridge that has three lanes of traffic, or six lanes actually, three lanes going in opposite directions. As I drove over it, here's the thing. The lanes are so narrow that they actually put uh, those orange, like, pylon cones, and it goes for about uh, two kilometers, and you have to sit there where you're like, if I veer just a a little bit, I'm going to take out the pylons or hit the car next to me. It kind of creates a little bit of a white-knuckle experience, and it keeps you from falling asleep. I think that's why they did it. (laughs) But the most spectacular feature of the bridge, the suspension bridge, is that there's massive cables go from one side of the river to the other over two ginormous pillars. And what makes this a marvel of engineering, and this is my point of what I want to talk about today, is that the pull or tension from the cables in opposite directions is actually what holds the bridge up. It's what gives it its strength. It's what keeps it, gives it the ability to, inc- to carry incredible weight. Now, I know when I mention the word tension, for you and I, it's usually not a very positive word. If I said, is there tension in your life? Now, most of us here today would be like, in some form, yes. Uh, maybe the tension is somebody that's sitting right next to you right now. I don't know. <laughs> could be your kids. It could be your coworker. You know, there's a lot of things that create tension. It can cause things in our body like migraine, headaches, uh, neck pain. And, and I remember there was a commercial uh, many years ago when I was growing up with, about for Calgon bubble bath. Who, who remembers Calgon? And the tagline was, Calgon, take me away. Take me away from what? From stress, from life, from tension. Now, because we usually look at it as a negative thing, we actually need to understand that tension, in certain situations, tension is actually necessary. As we talked about the bridge, if the bridge didn't have a certain amount of tension, it would not be a safe structure. Did you know that there's a tension that's caused by the gravitational pull of the universe that actually holds the the earth and the moon in their orbits? The tension of magnetic polarity, I'm getting really scientific with you today, causes electricity to move from line to line and house to house. Who's thankful for electricity? You're glad that we, we have that. It's a great benefit. The tension from the weight of a of a barbell causes our muscle to grow and become strengthened. And did you know this, that the tension of opposing ideas leads us to truth? When we look at the Bible, there's a healthy tension between sometimes two seemingly opposing ideas. And I heard this one time in a theology class that that really truth is the razor's edge between two heresies. It's, what is a heresy? It's an unbalanced belief in something. And so truth is that, is that razor's edge point between something that's over here and something that's over there. And in the middle of it, we find there is what the truth lies. Stuff like logic versus faith. 
What is that? My understanding versus God's promises. Who knows? Sometimes there's a tension in that. I, I think I know things, but God has things that I can't see. The natural versus the supernatural. The things that science and my senses can explain versus healings, miracles, and more things that defy the laws of science. How about grace versus works? The tension between receiving God's gift of forgiveness versus living a life of holiness to honor God through obedience. Tension of discipline and mercy. Understanding that my actions have consequences versus the love of God keeps me from receiving eternal judgment. Why am I talking about this? Because I believe it's important in understanding that when we're following or wanting to follow the Great Commission as it's listed in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, which is the basis of our sharing here today, that there is a tension that comes from the gospel, tension that comes from sharing our faith. And I'm going to talk about those today. But let's read this scripture in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20. It said, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've given all authority in heaven and on earth, Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, to go make disciples creates tension in the life of a Jesus follower. It just does. You see, to be conscripted, into the task of reproducing the character and nature of Jesus and other people is an awesome and overwhelming at times at the same time. The task is simple in its direction, but multifaceted in its execution. As we are called to release the perfect love of Jesus through our imperfect lives. And here's where, why there are many intentions in this endeavor because what God asked me to do my part, sometimes I, there's, a, there's a tension between what God can only do and his part. It's like stepping out of the boat by faith, but trusting Jesus to hold me up. There's a tension in our lives. So what are some of the tensions that come from sharing the gospel? First of all, there's the tension between fear and faith. Now, most people struggle with fear when it comes to talking people about, with, to people about Jesus. So how do you overcome your fear? Well, the Bible says in 1 John that perfect love drives out fear, doesn't it? That if we get filled with the love of Jesus. But here are some practical things that you can do to overcome fear and sharing your faith. First of all, learn to become a good listener. Dale Carnegie, the great salesman, in the early 1900s, made this statement. Remember that a person's name is the sweetest sound in any language. What's he talking about? Well, when we learn how to listen and when we talk to people and we become good at asking questions about other people, who here knows that most people like to talk about themselves? You want to become a a, a person that people like being around a lot? Learn how to Ask good questions and let people share what's going on in their lives. You want to be a bad friend? Just talk about yourself all the time. We all have those people. Sometimes they're like, man, I just, they never be, they never be quiet. You see, when we remember to speak a person's 
name, it provides immediate connection when we remember it. Why? Because it shows that I'm listening to you. I heard what you told me. You see, when we ask good questions and have an attentive ear, it will allow us to build connection with people, even strangers. And I say this for you that are my introverted friends out there who I relate to. Right here is my heart. That it takes the pressure off us to do all the talking. Become great at asking questions. Number two, how do we overcome fear in sharing our faith? We want to learn how to know our story. Well, every one of us has a story about how Jesus has changed our life in some way. In fact, the story is continually being written. I love this about serving Jesus, that new chapters are being added each and every day, month, year. And I think it's important for each and every one of us to learn how to write out our story so that we can review it and learn it. What are we talking about? What has God done in my life? Do you know what makes history interesting and exciting? When you add God to it, the providence of God, where God shows up and he does things that sometimes we we can't explain, things that have happened in our life, the miracles that we've received, relationships that have been healed, people that we've seen changed and transformed, when we can talk about those things, especially when it comes to us, life and history becomes exciting. And the great thing about your story is there's not another one like it. It's your story. It can be challenged. It might even be debated. It can be debated at times, but it can never be dismissed because it's your lived experience. Number three, when it comes to overcoming the tension of, of sharing our faith, it's good to learn the basics of the Bible. One of the great tragedies in North America in the church is Bible literacy or illiteracy that a lot of people have been in the church for a long time, but they still don't really know their Bible. Now, to share your biblical knowledge or to have confidence in what you know about God does not require a Bible college degree. You don't need to have a PhD, but a desire to start learning the basics. And I would start with the basics of the good news. What are the basics of the good news? First of all, that we are all sinners separated from God's. You see, sin separated us from God in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. Then we learn in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Romans 5, 8, Jesus paid our debt, though, of sin on the cross. Here's the good news. God sent an answer. He sent a way for us to overcome our sin. And salvation then comes by faith, In Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, by believing in our hearts and confessing him with our mouths, Romans 10, 9 and 10. And when we call on the Lord for salvation, here's the great answer. The Bible says, we will be saved, Romans 10, 13. If we desire to learn more about the Bible, I say this, find people that know more about the Bible. Hang out with them. Talk to them. Ask them questions. Where do I begin? Where do I start? How do I read that? And, but here's the other thing. In this age of the internet, there is a lot of great things available if you don't talk to people. But we need to learn the basics of the Bible. Here's the last thing that I say about overcoming fear. And this is one of my favorite things. It's pray. Prayer works. 
I believe this, that prayer is essential when it comes to overcoming fear. Prayers where we can receive not only supernatural strength and courage, but also confidence and direction. I believe every day we should pray for these three things when it comes to sharing our faith. We should pray for people. Who thinks it's good to pray for other people? Each of us should have a list of people or a person that God puts on our hearts. We should pray for courage. Each of us should ask God to give us faith for the day, the courage to do the things he leads us to do, to reach out to people, to love people, to help people, to serve people. It takes courage to do that. And then we should ask the Holy Spirit to lead us or guide us. Holy Spirit, what do you have for me to do today? I believe everything that we do should be smothered in prayer. And I say this, the reason we struggle with so many things in different areas when it's connected to our faith is we have not prayed over it and through it. See, I want to say this to you today as we talk about overcoming fear. First of all, believe God is for you. Number two, believe God is with you. And believe God will use you. Here's the second tension when it comes to sharing our faith. It's the tension between evangelism and discipleship. Interesting. Pastor Trout, you've been talking the last couple weeks about different ways of evangelism. What's evangelism? It's declaring our faith. It's talking about the things of God. It's sharing the good news of Jesus. And then what's discipleship? Well, it's helping people come into a place of making Jesus not only their savior, but the leader of their life. It's becoming more like Jesus. Now, last week I shared there were many different ways to evangelize or share our faith, that there's different styles. I think we had some fun with that. That God uses our unique personalities, our talents, our giftings. There's not a one-size-fits-all way of sharing our faith, but the idea is that God has called us to share our faith. Now, when I was growing up in the church, there was only one form of evangelism that was taught. It was direct or confrontational evangelism. I was trained, some of you will recognize this, old school people here, in Glad Tidings School of Evangelism. Who's heard of Glad Tidings School of Evangelism? I was taught to use the two-question test and other tracks extensively. In high school, when most people my age were out dating or partying on Friday and Saturday nights, I was out doing street evangelism. My friends and I would uh, psych ourselves up to go and talk to people that we saw on the streets. We had a lot of fun memories. Our church actually had a downtown uh, cafe that we would go meet at. We would pray. We would do that. On Halloween, when other people were trick-or-treating, I would go to door track-or-treating. I have some incredible stories on that thing. We walked, we one time came into a seance that was happening. It was wild. It was a crazy thing. Um, there, were fun, there were some fun moments in that, but it was stressful and challenging most of the time. And what we all felt is if we shared the gospel message once a night, or if somebody prayed a prayer of repentance, we were like, man, we are doing our jobs. However, I always felt like there was something missing. And what I discovered was missing from our method of sharing was the idea of relationship or discipleship. 
Now, I'm going to challenge some people here today. I know that. You see, Jesus didn't go and tell us, go make converts of people. He said, make disciples. And it's much more than people saying a prayer. It's much more than a moment of somebody acknowledging they need Jesus. That is a great starting point. It is essential. It is, it is something that needs to happen. It's powerful, and we need to be involved in that. But that's not where it ends. It's just the beginning. You see, true evangelism involves ongoing relationship. See, evangelism includes discipleship, and discipleship includes evangelism. They're not separate activities. They're like peanut butter and jelly. I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, by the way. See, because evangelism and discipleship are intertwined, relationship is essential. That's why evangelism, I got to just say this, sorry, church, I'm going to step on a few toes here. It's more than having a bumper sticker on your car that says Jesus saves. Especially when you get angry at the motorist in front of you. You know what I'm talking about. Honk your horn, sometimes do other things. Hey, Evangelism, listen to this, is much more than leaving tracks in a bathroom or on the table in a restaurant for a person to grab on their own. Now, I'm saying that can, it can happen. It can be reading material, but it, it's, it's, that's not really evangelism. And can I, can I, am I allowed to share a pet peeve of mine? This may not be, God may not be as unhappy, but I, I'm just saying, you know, when we go to a restaurant and we don't give a tip, but we give a tract. I'll tell you, they're not listening to your gospel. You can be mad at me, it's okay. <laughs> you see, winning souls is more than a prayer because it should be a commitment to help lead and guide people to Jesus so they can become like Jesus. You see, we're called to show them who Jesus is. And each of the things that I talked about that I maybe even kind of push back a little bit on are good, can be a good start, but they're incomplete at best and damaging at worst when we don't show people how to have relationship with people because that's part, we're called to bring people not just into a relationship with him, but into Christian community so that we can grow together. You see, for salvation to turn into transformation, it requires relationship within a Christian community, a plan to bring them to, to other people. We bring them to God, but we grow together. Does that make sense? You don't need to grow everybody by yourself but you should be available to walk with them in their next steps of their journey. All right, that was fun. <laughs> Number three, the tension between being a truth teller and a peacekeeper. One of the things that when we talk about sharing our faith or evangelism, we need to recognize that the gospel can be divisive. See, it's important to understand that sharing the truth is not popular or welcome by everybody. You maybe have noticed that out there. In fact, right now, more than at any time in the history that I've been alive, <clears throat> and I have to say this, we 
Uh, a lot of times I have people share with me, Pastor Todd, this is the worst the world's ever been. No, this is the worst things have been in your lifetime. Because if you study history, there's been things at times, and I would think that other people would consider much worse. Like when Jesus had, had the first century church, they, the Romans used Christians as torches to, uh, for, to, to, for people to come into their house. They were the lampposts that people used. We're not quite at that level yet. Would you agree with me? But for us right now, we see the challenges. That there, there's a hostility towards Christianity and towards the, the gospel. And so it's important to understand that people's hearts at times when we go to talk to them about things can be hostile to the gospel message. Why? Because it confronts their sin and unwillingness to yield control to God. It's a challenge. And we get ourselves at times in hot water when we try to dilute the word of God or skip certain truths because they're either uncomfortable or unpopular. Now, I got to say this. It doesn't take away from the fact that I don't believe that we should go out to, into the street with, well, I'm just looking to cause some uh, confrontation today. What does the Bible say? It says it's his kindness that leads us to people to repentance. You see, we're called to be kind. We're called to be loving. We're called to be those people that serve people. We're, called, we're not called to, to be out there, you know, necessarily waving our, uh, you know, yelling at people and confronting people and being crazy about this and, and, and trashing people in our social media accounts and being just not very kind because we think we're sharing the truth. No, the truth can be shared. It's supposed to be shared in what? With love, surrounded by love. But we have to remember that we're still called to share the truth in love. Well, how do I know this? Jesus said this in Matthew 10, 33. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Well, what sword was Jesus talking about? Peter, can I borrow your Bible? I meant to grab mine today. The sword that, that Jesus is talking about is the Word of God. What's In the armor of God, what's the Bible called? The sword of the Spirit. See, the Bible is the sword of the Spirit. It rightly divides truth and deception. It rightly divides, it says, even between bone and marrow. It's saying it can separate these different things. The Bible is called to separate those things that are from those things that are not and to call them either truth or life. When we share our place, there will be times that you'll be rejected and disrespected, but when it happens, just be thankful to know that you're in the company of Jesus. Here's my last tension. The tension between what is God's part and what is my part when it comes to sharing our faith. Now, I want to take the pressure off of some of you today because we live in a results-based society where we measure spiritual impact based on measurable outcomes. If I talk to X number of people, I will see Y number of salvations. If I do not see Y number of salvations, then I'm failing at doing my job. We therefore base the value of our spiritual 
work on man-determined results. And I want to give you some peace today. Thankfully, that's not how the kingdom of God works or how success is measured by God. God bases his rewards in our life, listen to this, off of our obedience to him. I'm going to say that again. God bases his rewards in our life off of our obedience to him. It doesn't change how much he loves us. God's going to, God loves you completely. He loves you fully. He's here to forgive you for anything. But when it comes to his rewards, he rewards his followers based on our obedience to him. So what does that mean? Well, each day you have to answer this question. Did I do what Jesus asked me to do? Did I reach the people around me that God put in my heart to reach? Did I share what God is doing in my life with those who God's led me to share what I'm doing in my life? You see, you need to understand that outcome, what happens with what you share, is not your responsibility. It's God's. Listen to what Paul tells the church in Corinth. I planted the seed in your hearts, Paul did, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. What is Paul saying? Well, what he's saying is this, is sometimes I plant the seed through my teaching, through my sharing, through my ministry. And then another person comes and waters the seed by sharing more of Jesus with it. But in the end, it is God who produces the results. It is God who changes hearts. You want to know one of the most liberating things that I found in my Christian walk is this, that I understand that God is God and I'm not him. You're like, well, okay, that's obvious. No, what I mean by that is my job is just to do what God asked me to do. What's that? To love people care for people, share with people, encourage people. It's not my job to change people's hearts. It's not my job to make people do the right things. It's not my job to, 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 to convince people to do this or that. My job is just to do what God's called me to do. His job is to make the transformation and the change in their lives. But I see it all the time as Christians. We get it backwards. We think that our job is to make the changes. Our job is to force people into what we think they should be. Our job is to do this. And we forget to love them and care for them. You see, because sometimes in life, when it comes to being a Jesus follower, sometimes we plant a seed, other times we're the ones to water the seed planted by somebody else. And then there are those moments, and I, I love these moments that God gives us when we're part of seeing that seed of faith harvested because God has worked in their heart. And this part is not about our success or our timing. It's about his purposes being accomplished. I even think about this as I'm going to begin to close here that the prophet Jeremiah spent his entire life preaching to the nation of Israel. Did you know that he only had two converts? Yet go open your Bible. There's 50 chapters about Jeremiah the prophet speaking, teaching, preaching. 
He's considered a true prophet in the Bible. There was a missionary named Jim Elliott who his life was serving the Hurani people of Ecuador. He had zero converts while he was alive. To his name, some people would consider that a failure. However, through his death, because the tribe actually killed him and four of his other missionaries, because of his heart, they eventually accepted the gospel. God spoke to them, changed them. You see, whether we plant a seed, water the seed, harvest the seed by faith, we receive a reward, not because of results, but because of our obedience. Because 1 Corinthians goes on to say in verse 8, chapter 3, verse 8, the one who plants and the one who waters work together with the same purpose, and both will be rewarded for their hard work. So here's my question for all of us. As we're literally this week on the 21st, the longest day of the year, we are now in summer. We're in the, the season of summer. We know in Calgary that's kind of a loose word. <laughs> what would happen this summer if we prayed a dangerous prayer? What if we prayed this prayer, God, use me? It wasn't just about vacation. It wasn't just about enjoying the outdoors. And I pray and I'm believing God for every single person to have lots of time and do that. You're going to go on vacations and spend time with friends and family. Big things are going to happen throughout the summer. Praise God. But could we not also say, God, in the midst of all of those things, use me. God, use me to reach out to right now, whoever God puts in your mind, fill in the blank. Maybe there's somebody that right now God is going to put on your heart. And I declare today that God would just prepare you. You would say, if God used me, that he would prepare you to be a vessel to reach other people. God, open our eyes to see where you can use us. Give us a supernatural, heavenly eyes to see where the hurts are around us, to be those people that will love, that will love, that will love unconditionally, that will speak life, that will speak hope, that will speak encouragement. And God, help me. Strengthen me to do your will. That word obedience is such a strong word for us. But God rewards us when we walk with him in obedience. So here's my prayer today. God, would you give us the courage? Would you give us the courage to believe that you can use us? God, would you keep giving us the ability to keep praying for people, to keep praying for those that are around us that don't know you. Even when we've been disappointed in the past, we heard the word of the Lord today. God says, to keep pressing in, keep pushing in. God is, hears you. He's, gonna, he's answering your prayers. God, give me the courage to die to myself every day. You see, the walk of a disciple is dying to ourselves and saying, God, use us. 
Sometimes that's the hardest thing for us is to say, it's not that our life isn't important. It's not that our life doesn't have value or meaning. It's saying, God, use my life how you want to. God, give me the courage to love everyone, to love people, even those who seem unlovable. God, give me the courage to reach out and build connection to others by faith. Lord, I just pray this today. Lord, that you would, you would encourage us, that you would release your power, your favor over us. And here's what I want to do. I'd like everybody, as we're going to close here in just a few moments here, I'd like everybody just to stand up right where you're at. And before we go, we're going to open up these altars just for a few moments. And, and there's a few things specifically as I've, I've made this request that some of you, I believe God wants you to give you the courage even just to step forward, to step into what God's called you to do, to come forward to break off of fear, to come forward to receive greater courage. Maybe it's to come forward to say, God, use me. Whatever it is that God is speaking to you today, whatever it is that God is speaking to your heart today, I want to invite you just to come forward. We're just going to believe God that's going to, that we're going to step into some new things that this summer is going to be a summer of true love, the love of God being released over people. So I'm inviting you just to come forward today. This may not be for everybody. Not all of you may be comfortable, but some of you, God is wanting to do some significant things in your life. So I'm inviting you just to come and, and just to let God go a little bit deeper in your heart and in your life and in your spirit. Because we serve an awesome God. We serve an awesome God here today. Jesus. Lord, today I just pray. Lord, in this moment, Father God, that you would take each one of us to a, a new place in you, a new level in you. Lord, that we would pray, Father God, those dangerous prayers. We would pray, Father God, use me, Father God, that you would give us, Lord, just that perspective. Lord, that you'd give us that perspective. You'd give us that understanding, God, that you, we would say, God, I'm available. I'm open for whatever you want to do today. Lord, that we would step into, Father God, that a new season, a new level of walking with you and serving with you and serving you, God. And Lord, I pray that you'd break off fear. Lord, every, every level of fear, God, I pray that it would be broken. And that, Lord, that you would replace it. Lord, you'd release a greater level, a greater measure of your faith today. Lord, that you'd pour your faith into people. Lord, I pray that you'd give people greater courage today, greater boldness today by your Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would make divine appointments. I pray that you'd press upon people's hearts today. 
the names of people, the names of loved ones, the names of those, and Lord, they would saturate those names in prayer because God, you love them and you have an eternal destiny for each and every one of them. God, I thank you for this. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen, 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 amen. Let's thank the Lord today.